Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Spoiler alert, I'm doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert for everything we talk about tonight, which includes the season two finale of Mandalorian and Tenet. We can't do non-spoilers, guys. Like, I'm just at a place in my life where I'm exhausted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we all are. <laughs> so, so forewarning, everybody dies in everything, just FYI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All your theories that you thought was going to happen did happen. But they were inverted. <laughs> inverted <laughs> Which, speaking about theories and inversions, okay, so is it... At what point do we just declare anyone who has ever been in a Spider-Man franchise basically cast in Spider-Man 3? Yeah, that's, yeah, at this point, that's what it is. And honestly, you know, with all the other things that's been going on in in the entertainment world with with Mando and uh, DC, um, Shows are getting you know, geared up with some of their trailers, and of course the biggie, of course the Disney investor. Uh, you know, at this point, the Spider-Man stuff is kind of like, yeah, because it's just like there's more rumor, I think, than fact. Yeah. And it's, and 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 so it is uh, unless you know unless I hear it from the actors themselves, or we start seeing some trailers, maybe. Uh, then, then, then maybe that was another thing too. Even there was even a, a rumor that there might be a trailer to drop um, on Christmas. So, I mean, it's Spider at this point. The the, the rumor mill of Spider Man Three is just going going into overdrive, and you know we'll we'll, get, we'll all get caught up at some point. Yeah, yeah. Waiting for wait for the post credit scene of WandaVision. Yeah. remember it's all connected (laughs) um in other news where it's like uh not really surprised uh wonder woman opens to a disappointing box office overseas yeah yeah so i guess in in china it uh, only made like 19 million dollars and uh, I think so far in in the international release has only been about 38.5 million which I think they grossed that in like the first weekend, um, and and some markets when the first film came out. And you know, and obviously it's 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 where we are. I mean, it's it's, it's COVID. It's it's COVID. Yes, there's a vaccine. Things are happening, but we it's the box office has changed, and we are definitely not on the other side of this. Nope. So um, I think it um, maybe. This number will say something to a few people who are pretty loud about their opinions on streaming services mm-hmm. and seeing things on streaming services. And I get it. I understand all perspectives. But at the end of the day, people are not going to the box. Like, they're not going to cinemas. And they probably won't be for another year. So, yeah. and we got all this content that is just on the shelf. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, this film is finally going to release, but it's it's what almost a year and a half since uh, overdue as far as oh. its release date. So, uh, yeah. and, and and so people, you're right. I mean, things are recovering. Vaccine is out there, but it's going to be a long time before it's widely available for everyone. And you, I even saw like in the wrap. I think I mentioned it last week, uh, where like Marvel, for example, is. At least there's a report that they are even uh, in a, in negotiating with the talent teams as far as the directors and actors and others that that will uh, and accommodate streaming services as far as making sure they get compensated for that. Mm-hmm. So uh, so so even the studios are adjusting, and of course, as you said, plenty of folks are banging on Warner Brothers because it's the uh, because of you know how the, the haphazard and ham-handed way they dealt with this as far as with the content producers. Uh, and I can understand where Warner was coming from. They didn't want someone to leak it and wanted it to be a big splash. But, you know, as we joked last week, it seemed that uh, the 
the, the, the splash was for about, you know, one day and then the, the bitching and moaning about it's been, you know, going all two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, from, this, at, least, at least from the content creators, like the, the, the Villeneuve's and the, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, Nolan's of the world. So, and also, you know, just attracting those types of folks in the future. I mean, well, what will be, you know, what, what was the good short-term splash? What could be the you know, detriment in, to the, in the long term, as far as for some of these creators who may be a little wary about signing on to, to Warner at this move forward. I business has changed. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the studios had to make business decisions um, that, that did um take some of their talent and kind of um isolated them and made them feel ostracized but the, it's a whole new game at it this is. point and under these conditions and people are going to make decisions and in hindsight they could have been the wrong they could be the right and i i think that with nolan and del Nuth, i think they that the, what they produce um, are a lot of very original concepts that c- honestly cost a lot of money to make, and so they mm-hmm. need a big studio. But they're also just such artists that a part of me is just like, go make an indie film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Because you've done it, and yeah. you, your indie films are fabulous. Mm-hmm. But you've just grown grown used to having a big studio behind you, so you could do all these crazy concepts. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, it it's the business business has changed, and it's interesting because with the new COVID relief bill, um, it's set to also provide some much needed support for struggling entertainment venues, including movie theaters, and the bill includes a fifteen billion earmarked specifically for live event venues, independent movie theaters, and culture institutions, all businesses hit hard by the pandemic. Um, yeah. And yeah. It's almost like even our own lawmakers are coming around to the idea that this is a huge part of our economy that is mm-hmm. failing at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I saw that with the New Deal. They finally were able to uh, come to an agreement, thankfully, and uh, we won't get, you know, there's a lot of things in that 6,000 page bill, including, I know I didn't add this to the rundown, but there was, uh, I think I saw where uh, they were going to make illegal streaming, uh, tighten the uh, punishments for that, and some other uh, copyright and other protections as well. Uh, But the uh, Saber Screens Act definitely was something that, uh, you know, we've talked about this throughout the year whenever we've had discussions about COVID and how it's impacted industry. And it's a good thing uh, for a lot of these smaller operators and, and, and the arts. And of course, I think, uh, you know, this from what I've read so far about the bill, I don't know if a lot of the, I don't know if the AMCs of the world will, will benefit from it, but, uh, but there's a lot of smaller venues and independent theaters that uh, in a lot of smaller markets that will definitely benefit from this. And, and hopefully um, we'll be able to survive this 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 pandemic because it's still going to be going on for some time. Yeah, but meanwhile, streaming services and their series just keeps getting better. As Boba Fett spinoff has announced that Robert Rodriguez joins Favreau and Filoni as an executive producer. More importantly, this Boba Fett. Because yeah. this is a perfect segue into Mandalorian discussion because everybody went wild about the post credit scene of yep. Boba and and there were talks. Well, is this the end of Din's story? Are we are we moving are we moving forward in with the Mandalorian, but more focused on Boba Fett? False. It has been cleared up today from Favreau mm-hmm. himself that Boba Fett is its own separate. Ident- own separate series that will air concurrently with the Mandalorian season three. Yep. Which makes a lot of sense because, yes, this season one and two, the journey has ended. However, Mando 
himself still has a place to go. Like the, this was the first half of a marathon, if you will. This was Mando is still finding his place with the Mandalorian. He's been making some decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Just a few. And he he's now, I mean, it's almost he traded one very powerful being for a very powerful weapon that he now holds and people want. Go figure. His own people, if you will, yeah. want this time around, as opposed to these past two seasons where they um, the Empire has been after Grogu. Mm-hmm. So it's it, they they did a kind of a, a switch there with who the enemy is, which is very clever, very good. This is the best episode of the season. Yeah, yeah, I I agree uh, for so many reasons, and it, it really, I, I it was a very satis not only satisfying finale, but it it really what I really liked about this this arc with. Then and and Gragu, and all the pieces building along the way. For example, I didn't expect to see Bo Katan again this season. Right. Uh, I, and 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 of course, you know, obviously bringing along Boba Fett and Fennec, and and also um, a, a, accumulating the various items of Mandalore as far as his to build to his arsenal. Like for example, the the staff that mm-hmm. he got in uh, when we when he when he, we had the episode with Ahsoka and of course meeting Ahsoka. I mean, it's just so many things built up. And then uh, you know, and I think about last week's episode where he and and even the first episode where we saw Bo-Katan and we had the discussions about the code and you know, of course, her order was freely taken off their helmet. And then of course. Uh, you know, we had last ep- last week's episode. We had Din and Mayfield having the whole philosophical discussions about the Empire and the Rebellion and and codes and you know and and beliefs and and then Mando clearly made the decision last week to take his helmet off because it was for the greater good in order to to, to because even though he has these codes and these honor and this ethic. He realized that in order to in order to live up to your ideas, sometimes you have to be flexible mm-hmm. and and make and make cha- and make decisions that you know, for the greater good. You may sa- sometimes have to sacrifice living up to the ideal that that has been prescribed for you. I I don't I don't know if I agree with that. Because I think the whole, what this season has done, it showed, we, it showed all of the different ways Mandalorian lore, culture, and values have been interpreted Mm -hmm. and changed and kind of branched off into their own separate sects. Mm -hmm. Very similar to um, the Jedi and the Sith and, and the Grey Jedi and and all of this stuff, the a mythos, it's kind of, it kind of took that expansion and moved it onto Mandalorian. And over mm-hmm. the last two seasons, unknowingly, that's what it's been building to. And the removal of the helmet, I don't, I don't view it as him removing it for the greater good. Mm-hmm. I don't view his desire to save Grogu or even protect him over the last two seasons as for the greater good. Um, it's a father who, who realizes my love for this child outweighs my loyalty to this culture. Mm. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, yeah, yeah, and you're right. I mean that 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 growth that we that we've seen from then, and it, and I really think back to to the first season when he was you know when we first were introduced to him mm-hmm. and how he was rescued by the Mandalore, yeah, uh, and 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 seeing his journey you know growing in the order 
and then you know, then you put that into what we learned that he must do to to help Grogu get to, for his own destiny and, and and for his for his growth and evolution and and that he has to find that new I don't, I don't want to say family but um, but that new order being the Jedi mm-hmm. and and so they do so I think you know Mando is to your point seeing the the bond that he and Grogu has developed his father and you know that, that surrogate father for him uh, I, I think he 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 sees what is necessary for for what happened for to him as far as his growth and and becoming a, a part of the Mandalorian order he's you know we see that parallel track with Grogu as becoming a part of the Jedi order right and and don't don't forget that in Star Wars we there there are all of these parallels between fathers and sons mm-hmm. and one of them wearing a mask yeah. and, and there's been whether it's Anakin as Darth Vader and his son ple- pleading for him to take off the mask or mm-hmm. even Han tell, yelling at Ben take off that stupid mask you, like that's not my son my son is beneath the mask right so and now you're able to see that come alive, especially with these last few episodes with with us actually, Pedro, if you will, yep. <laughs> <laughs> being able to lift off the freaking mask. And this is this is why you pa- pa- um, cast Pedro Pascal mm-hmm. because this is what he did in Game of Thrones. The man knows how to act without saying a piece of dialogue. And his farewell to oh. Grogu. It was all in his freaking eyes. Yes, yes. It killed me, and it just, oh, my God, I love him so much. <laughs> yeah, that, that scene got me. It, it totally did. I mean, you're right. It was just so, it was, yeah, the, the just that, that bond, that moment when, because, you know, not only I credit both, I credit both Pedro and also credit Peyton Reed yeah. well, with his direction. In that scene, because that could have easily that could have easily had gone down a different path where it just didn't hit the right emotional beats. But it, but that's just a, that's a that's a, a, a good skill of a, a very good director getting the taking a very solid actor, a great actor, working and get that synergy to hit those right emotional beats. Because I mean, I was sitting there like I was welling up when I was watching that scene. I'll, I'll freely admit it. <laughs> I'm such a softy, I know. I know. Grogu. I I just Peyton Reed should direct Mandalorian season three, one through eight. Mm. Because I understand the spider episode is is um very controversial. I am on the side that that actually is an episode that I have not forgotten about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are, and, and I think about it because a I hate spiders, but there was such a pace in mm-hmm. that episode that mirrors this episode, and also the frog lady. You and I had a very good conversation about why why would they introduce this character and what it was, how it paralleled everything going on with Grogu and Mando in such a beautiful, subtle way, Mm -hmm. a very simple way that Peyton just escalated it a hundred percent in this episode. But between the two of them, I think arguably when I like years from now, when I reflect on season two, these two episodes are going to stick out. Yeah, you're right. Because you have the very small character beats, character moments, all of the the movement of the storylines, and then the freaking action sequences. The action sequences in both of these episodes are just so amazing. They are. They are. I mean, thinking... Obviously, with the with Bo-Katan and uh, was it Craric, I think is uh, Sasha Banks' characters. And, I don't and, know. They don't let Sasha Banks talk. Yeah. I mean, she has some sparring words with Boba this episode, yeah. but 
still. <laughs> yeah, she 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 does her acting with her with her with her fighting choreography, <laughs> uh, which was all which you know which 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 was great with that scene with her and Boba in the in the in the bar, and uh, you know just that that in and of itself was just like well get the pop you know pop popcorn moment where you just like oh this is so dope because you know this the the, the just the frenetic and action between the two of them and and all that it was just just so, so well done but you know but to your point about the action and and I, and I and I of course thinking about two universes that um that Peyton has been in with the uh, MCU and now the Star Wars universe and thinking about Endgame and thinking about the ending where um you had all the the female fighters come you know team avengers come together and i look at this one mandalorian and you know i, I don't want to I, mean, I, I know i'm going down this gender stereo role or whatever road but i just felt that that the, the fight sequence in, in this one felt organic it didn't feel like it was a manufactured moment to like check the check the box it yep. was just it was a true these you know these are these are warriors and they have a badass purpose that they have to to achieve to help mando succeed in his mission and mm-hmm. so i just felt that it was a very very natural fight and it was just 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 really appreciate how they how to utilize that as far as storytelling and it wasn't like oh look at all these awesome women coming out here to kick ass it was like these are just awesome people coming out to kick ass and the who who happen to be female characters and and i thought that was it was it was a very very powerful way of of, of storytelling and and utilizing these characters in in the context of the larger story right I mean, girls do get it done. Yep. Which there was a lot of boys crossover in this yeah. episode. Yes, um, it was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I had Battlestar Galactica too. I couldn't help but think about Katie. I couldn't help but think about whenever they were going down the launch tubes and thinking about the Galactica. <laughs> All I am saying is in season three of The Boys, if they do not indicate that Grogu is behind Vought, then yeah. all is lost because <laughs> come on, come on, <laughs> Grogu or Gideon. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Gideon has been studying Grogu's blood, yeah, and we know, <laughs> yes, I know. I couldn't help, I was thinking those parallels too. I was just like, I, I can't, yes. <laughs> Gina Carlo just was like, he's just like, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'll be bought CEO, I'll be Moff Gideon, but yeah, the parallels were totally there. <laughs> he, it, it was when he is talking to Mando, and I just instantly went back to both the scene um, between his character in The Boys and Homelander at mm-hmm. the very beginning. And also when he talks to Billy at the end of the season and I'm just getting, this is, this is getting, getting has a twin Um, because these are the same characters. It is the same, very, very clever um, way of communicating with your enemy and, and uh, making them understand like, Hey, I've already won. Yeah. Or you don't see the big picture. I know the big picture. And 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 that's another thing that I think is interesting and very smart of them to do is that a part of us as viewers, we're constantly, well, why why do they need the blood? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we got we got all these theories about about cloning and and needing an eventually rise of Skywalker and, and that mess. But they never actually fully explain, like Gideon doesn't have a five minute monologue about this is how we're going to save the galaxy, blah, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Right. Evil yep. laugh now. Um, they just, they just say, hey, I don't need the kid anymore. I got what I wanted, peace. <laughs> yeah, peace out, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and, you know, 
Yeah, they, they subtly hint at it because, you know, this will help her, you know, re- restore order. But, right. you know, but, but that's, but, but you're right. There's no, like, there's no mustache twirling, chew, scene chewing exposition about it. Be- because at the end of the day, what separates this from the larger movies is that, again, I'm just going to harbor this point. It's not about the saving the universe or the galaxy it is just about mando is on a mission to get back to rescue grogu and return him to his people he will not stop until that's done it is and he doesn't and it's not even he's doing that because oh if he gets in the wrong hands then all is lost no no it's it's more about his his need to make sure that this child is safe yeah Exactly, exactly. Which is which is fascinating because I, I think why I was so impressed by this, this episode is that so much of what we've been watching was kind of like taken on its, turned on its head in mm-hmm. the most natural way. Where to go back to your point that I kind of. Um, I kind of like just got us off of, but all of the season we've been interacting with these female characters. Mm-hmm. And so it took me until halfway to be halfway through the episode to be like, wait a second. We just have four women in an elevator preparing for battle. And they're not even talking about men yep. or where their male sidekicks went off to, because all of them were introduced with male sidekicks who just so happened to be like, I'm taking today off. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I got COVID. Yep. <laughs> but it's just, I, I don't know. I, I think there's, there's so much subtlety and, and how they brought everything together. Mm-hmm. And just made this such a cohesive season that it is, I, I really think it is a far superior season to season one. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, there's, no, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the, it, 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 there is that cohesive thing because, you, know, I, I, you know, the through lines throughout the story this season with the Empire and the remnants of the Empire and and then of course thinking about the penultimate with Mayfield and this conversation, you know, he talks about Operation Cinder, mm-hmm. and and then uh, and then you get to this week's episode where at the very beginning, where you have the two shuttle pilots with Doctor Pershing, and of course when we had that amazing scene. I mean, it's just, uh, there's just so many things about this episode. I mean, whenever we first see Slave One, and then they they. Cap, you know, use the ion cannon to disable the shuttle, and to see the see Slave One just go up through up the screen, and as they like dock on the shuttle, and then of course we get on there, and and getting back to my point about Mayfield and the Empire, and bringing up the 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 the, the, the morality of everything with mm. the Jedi, with the Rebel Rebellion. And the Empire, and 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 you know, and of course that through line in Star Wars, every you know, from what Obi Wan said, things from a certain point of view. Yeah. And and that point of view from that imp, that Imperial soldier, who was just you know kept taunting Cara Dune, and you know, and he's like, oh, you know, from a tear with with the, and just a little subtle things too, like the tear for all for, about Alderaan, and 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 the whole point that. You know, in his point of view, the rebellion are a bunch of terrorists, and and of course, Dune and everybody else is like, no, no. I mean, the Empire is evil, and you know, I think back to the last week's episode with Mayfeld. I think to me that that made that scene this week even more powerful because you know we it was weird that had that weird moment last week where you're like you're actually cheering for the Empire when they were like save, trying to you know save Amando from those pirates. Yeah, uh, and then and then you have this week's episode where you have that speech by the by that soldier, and you realize like, hmm, you know, it, you know, for you know, for a brain candy kind of thing. I mean, Star Wars. I think what makes good Star Wars work, and when it's executed well, is is those underlying philosophical, political things that you know, some you know that 
you know, if you just look at it casually, you, you know, you just kind of gloss over. But I mean, there's some really deeper things that are going on in these stories that um, that I think this show has really brought to the forefront. Yeah, Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. If if they're able to present, bring forward characters and situations that are three dimensional and and translate into Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Then we're just watching Shakespeare in in in, um, in space yeah. and 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 all, I mean lightsabers and 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 all of the freaking flights and the shuttles. I mean, how many shuttles got broken this season? Yeah. <laughs> Ships did Mango lose? Yeah. But. I, I just this this episode it's funny because we we're we've what been talking for it at least a good twenty to fifteen minutes and we haven't even talked about the big surprise yeah. or the big huh they went there yeah <laughs> they, they went, went there and also the other the other other big thing too setting up for the potential third season issue with with Mando Gideon and, and Bo-Katan and the whole dark saber. Yeah, the Darksaber. This is why I am glad to be a casual fan. (laughs) Because I have, now that I've watched the episode, I have been listening to other people react and Mm -hmm. who who are much more knowledgeable about all of Star Wars lore. And and so I've heard that there are some, there's some, um, it's a bit controversial. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that's I've heard those same same comments and and for our listeners. So basically, spoiler alert: if you haven't watched Star Wars Rebels, I haven't yet. But um, so in Star Wars Rebels, uh, spoiler alert. So fast forward yep, until yep. we get now. Sabine Sabokatan was the head of the Mandalore, and she was bequeathed the dark saber from Sabine, who had who's another character in Rebels who had had gotten it um was it in combat from i can't remember who but long and short of it um in this episode when mando when then was like here take it take it um that was pretty much the sort of way that bo-katan got the the dark saber to begin with become head of mandalore yeah and so a lot of people were like well yeah, this is a plot over point, or they're just breaking canon to 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 create some manufactured drama in this episode. So that's the controversy. I I appreciate Harloff's take on it, where he admits that we there's been time in in between. We don't know how how Gideon got it, right? And, and both of them are still alive. So mm-hmm. I I do I do think there was some exaggeration. or some stretching um and and at that point i feel like um um darth darth gideon was like oh i've already i've already won so i'm just gonna go lean heavily into the mustache twirling vision (laughs) 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 but but i i i didn't mind it because a haven't seen rebels right. don't know the history would have never n- never really viewed that as a flawed i also felt like they kind of hint they really hinted at that um throughout the episode because mm-hmm. boa katan was very much like no giddy needs to be alive and yep. he's mine yeah like make that very clear um now why she did not think that Gideon, who's been after this child for Lord only knows how long, would not stand guard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who decided you go here, you lead these people, I'm gonna go on my own. Like I don't I, I don't recall there being a five minute scene to explain that. Yeah. Um, so she she kind of strategically caused this to happen um but i do think it it sets up um an, a new chapter 
for Mando and a new place for him to go that that arguably was even hinted at when we first met Bo-Katan. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And, and I, I, you know, and I heard, getting back to the, the whole Sabine thing and, I, and, and of course, Gideon's telling of the story. So, you know, I th- one of the things I thought about with that is uh, maybe she, you know, and, and thinking back to her introduction about, the, you know, as we were discussing earlier this evening, the code and the order and things like that. I mean, maybe the way that she realizes that what Sabine did as far as bequeathing it over there brings into question her original legitimacy of being the ruler of Mandalore to begin with. Mm-hmm. So so when, when Gideon like put that out there and, and given that um, clearly if Gideon it, it was was is killed, he he you know the 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 the, the claim to the throne of, of Mandalore, of, Ma- of Mandalore, uh, it, if, she, if it was shaky to begin with, if he's out of the picture, then he can't like go back and undermine her authority. Mm-hmm. So I think, but you know, obviously, given that the way things unfolded, and now you know he, you know, the, which that you know his story maybe could be embellished a bit, or it could be fact, but now given that that is known to everyone as far as like, okay, here's the, you got to fight and say fight to the death. They just said, just said fight. Um, then that, that basically sets this up so that if she does want to become again, the rightful heir to rightful holder of the dark saber, they're going to have to do this because of, because obviously her original, um, ascension was, was, was flawed to begin with. Right. Right. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a good transition point, but let's talk about Luke. <laughs> yeah, let's just talk about Luke. Yeah, let's talk about Luke. That's make my head hurt. We haven't even talked Tenet yet. I think the best way to summarize that point up is Bo-Katan ain't going anywhere. She's going to nope. be back for season three. Yeah. Mando definitely is going to be back and we have more to do with him be especially from where he he's changed so much between where we met him and now and now that he's without grogu it'll be really interesting who he is and how he goes about does he go back to bounty hunting does he find a higher purpose we don't know there there's a lot of places to go with this character yeah. which yeah, I don't, it's yeah. so hard to do yeah yeah i don't think he goes back to bounty hunting i, I think that's that's a, given how he's grown I, I don't think uh that's going to be the place he goes i think the way they're setting things up he's going to eventually become the the the, the leader of Andalore. well well yes yes i i do agree but i think he tries I think he he's very. I think to. Um, I I don't think it's an immediate like I I I'm too good for this. I I think he wants things to go back to normal because I don't know if he fully understands how much he's changed. Right, right. Fair point. Fair. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um. Rogue One. Yeah. <laughs> Is is art? It's one of my my honestly m- one of the my favorite um, movies in this franchise mm-hmm. um, because I still to this day remember watching it in theaters with mm-hmm. my mom and seeing the last half of that movie, which is so astonishing, and I'm so glad I got that experience in cinemas. Yeah. Um. But but then you also had. Besides that and all of those sequences, you had this lovely, lovely um, Vader lightsaber fight. Yeah. And and as I'm watching this whole sequence play out at the end of this episode, mm-hmm. all I'm thinking is, oh, my God, this is this is on par with that Darth Vader fight. Yep. Yep. We'll go figure because apparently it's the same exact moves <laughs> which, which when i found that out 
I just love this episode so like a hundred times more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I that is yeah. so fucking clever. Yep. To do that is just so so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and it oh oh I'm about to cry. I just I, those details just kill me. They had no need to do that. I mean, bringing back Luke is one thing, yeah. but to then make it so his reintroduction parallels this iconic moment from Rogue One, which mm-hmm. is again controversial. Which which by the way, what what Star Wars thing isn't controversial? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Every it's all controversial. Right. <laughs> Every- yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like you can't enjoy it for enjoy it for you know enjoyment's sake. It's like you gotta like pick it, pick it apart, like we're doing right now. But anyway, but we're doing it in a good way because I completely agree with you with that scene. Whenever, because I so the moment I realized that it was Luke mm-hmm. was you know I saw the X wing and I was like, you know I thought back to our discussion and I thought even I thought back to the discussion I had with my. With my family, when we watched the Ahsoka episode to begin with, and I was like, oh, you know, they just set up how they're going to bring Luke Skywalker into this thing. Mm-hmm. But at that time, I was like, but I told everyone, you know, I was like, oh, they'll probably just bring back, you know, you know, the, the, the fan cast, Sebastian Stan thing. That, that was where I thought they were going to go. But when I saw the X-Wing coming in, I was like, is it? Is it? And then going to that the landing bay, and I was just like, Oh, I was like, I, I mean, I, I was just, I had the biggest, like, stupid grin on my face, the whole, that whole sequence, because it was just, they, they, they really did go there. And we've talked, you know, we talked about it a few weeks. Would they, would they go there? Yeah. And, and they did. And it was just so gratifying for, as you said, with the way, not, you know, with how they just did the, the Rogue One with Luke. See, you know, sequence uh, with the green light. You know, it was just oh god, it was just like amazing. It it is it is fascinating. Yeah, because how how much just to have that sequence play out as from from the perspective of it being a Sith Lord mm-hmm. brings because I re- everyone was like that is horrifying. Yeah, that is evil. Yeah. Oh my God. And then, but to have it p- play out from the perspective of it being a Jedi, you're just like, this is the hero. Mm-hmm. This is the master. This yep. is, this is, this is her, her work. And it's just, it's such a, I mean, this is something you study in film, film school. Yeah. I mean, to have this foresight and to be able to do this, uh, it just blows my mind. And, and another thing I, and I remember when we talked about this, because as usual, Will is always right with his predictions. And I'm a bit too cautious. So I I didn't think, I thought it would be jumping the shark. And it wasn't because, first, you have this beautiful parallel that I just cannot get over. Mm-hmm. Second, they never say Luke Skywalker. That's right. They didn't. Thank the Lord. I just, I love that fact. I love the fact that, no, no. If you guys haven't figured it out and you're not buying the CGI, I can't help you. I'm not going to say my name. I'll even bring in R2, okay? (laughs) That should be enough. And thank the Lord. Like, there was no need to to say I'm Luke Skywalker. So so for people who – and I've heard some criticism about, like, oh, again, why do they keep going back to that well and everything – for some reason, Will, by them not saying the word Skywalker, it 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 didn't feel like oh they're just going back to the well. It really didn't for me. No. I don't I don't know why. Yeah. But for whatever reason, by them not acknowledging who he was, and in this story, he is the Jedi that Mando gives Grogu to. Mm-hmm. He could arguably, for Mando in Mando's world, be listed as unknown Jedi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Unknown Jedi one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, totally. He totally could be. 
which 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 is exactly what what I think allows it to work so beautifully because this isn't a Skywalker story. Yeah, Sky a Skywalker showed up to it. It's yeah. not their story. It's Mando. It's Mando's story. You're you're complete. I I can't say I can't add anything to that. I mean, I think other than the one thing I'll say is it to, to your point uh, by not saying Luke. I'm a hi. I'm Luke Skywalker, or introduce himself that way. It, it, yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, it really is. It's not a, a Skywalker story. I mean, and, and as a as a viewer, we we know who it is. He doesn't need to like. He he is just the whole purpose of this journey so far was to reunite Grogu with his kind, mm-hmm. and and that's what. That's what took place, and we don't need to know who it is or where you know or whatever. It's just mission accomplished. Yeah, which thank you for saying or whatever because that's another thing they didn't do. We still don't know <laughs> yeah. what this Yoda species is. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is Yoda a clone himself? I mean, he's a clone. Is he a clone of Yoda? I mean, who knows? I mean, there's just so many ways they can go with this, but. Uh, Oh, but Gideon is definitely a clone of the Vought lead, who I He's, cannot think of his name. Stan, Stan Edgar. Stan Edgar. Yeah. <laughs> Stan Edgar. Moff <laughs> Gideon clones. But that was a big thing in the first season. Everyone said, well, now that you're, are we going to actually know the species? Mm-hmm. And, and see, this, again, after... Not only watching the episode, but hearing all the all the reviews and the reactions to everything, I don't know if anybody realizes how much they didn't answer. Yeah, they really didn't. <laughs> they didn't <laughs> because the mission was complete. Right. That's 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 storytelling. That's yeah. storytelling. That is great storytelling, and, and and you know, and it's just a credit to to Favreau as a as a screenwriter and and as as a as a, as a showrunner uh i mean that's just he you, you really you know that's where having a plan mm-hmm. but it, you know but you know it, but it's not only having a plan but also putting the other creatives in place like a peyton reed like casting a pedro pascal mm-hmm. and in allowing you know, it's it's in a, in a, in a, in a, and the plan actually being executed beautifully because you're right this 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 episode really and 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 this the episode earlier uh, with the with the frog lady really are you know when I think back on the season they really are the two standouts I and mean, of course obviously because you know I didn't watch Clone Wars so yeah it was you know Soka was you know it was. A character that I was familiar with, just because you know I'm a fan, and you know I've heard the name come up a bunch of times, but you know I didn't have the same kind of uh, uh, buy-in as, as uh, some other fans have for for that particular character. But uh, but when I really think about the the ep- the the, the this, this real standout episodes from the season, I agree with you. I think that the, 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 these two directed by him. Are, are are the ones sort of like how Deborah Childs were in the first season. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I completely agree with that. I Peyton Reed, I mean, I like I like Ant Man, but if he can do this, just give him some Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, just bring him on over. <laughs> and and that's that's nothing Favreau and Filoni, like to your point about this is what happens when you have a plan. You, not only do you have Favreau who has been able to launch these kind of franchises, I mean, considering what he did with Iron Man, mm-hmm. but you you have Felonia who who is able to suddenly take what he built in in animation. Mm-hmm. And most people dub that's for kids. Nobody's ever gonna watch it, or only kids will watch it. Uh, we want we want Star Wars for adults, and and be able to take those and continue those stories through this 
live action narrative. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's one thing we always talk about how, well, Star Wars is moving from the big screen to the small screen. But but now not only that you have animation being brought to live action yeah. and it's just it's all one story yeah. and and yeah I, no I this I'm I'm very pleased um, yeah. a great season yeah definitely great season definitely surpasses the first one and yeah and I gotta wait till December for for season three just like oh goodness goodness yeah. <laughs> I I think you'll be fine, Will. Well, yeah, I know, I, I know, but I, but I, but I, yeah, I. But this is how it, it reminds me when I was when I was a kid and when it when with the original trilogy and stuff and just the 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 you know, just the excitement that you just had for Star Wars and you just couldn't wait for wait for the next film. I mean, that's that's that, that same kind of that same kind of feelings that that um that I have with this series now. But I think you'll get a bit distracted. Yeah, just a little bit. Just, there, there's a couple things coming. <laughs> oh man! All right, so so we gotta talk about this. I I've seen Tenet twice now. Okay. <laughs> and you've seen it once. I've seen it once. I watched it yesterday. Um, what are your thoughts? What are your initial thoughts about Tenet? So my when I was watching the film. My 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 gut reaction was, I think Nolan was being too clever for his own good. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. really the first act was just it, it was a slog to get through that first act. I, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I just it just really, you know, it it, it was and and then you know, and, and so much to the, so much. To, to the point where I actually stopped the film and just like, okay, I just gotta step away because I just, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I, I got back in, but you know, took a little break, walked the dog, came back, started watching it again, and then the second in the, the final acts, uh, it all started to, you know, pull mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, and then I was like, oh, yeah, so whenever, even before I saw the face, spoiler alert, before, like when they had the moment where he was fighting with uh, the, the the armed, with the soldier, right. I, I realized, I was like, oh, that's him in Inverse now. So, I mean, so it, it's a very clever film. And you really, I will say, if you do watch it, you, you definitely need to, you know, bring your, bring your, uh, you know, bring your energy to, to watch this film because it's a very active film where you're going to have to do a lot of thinking and a lot of like just following along because it's, yeah, it, you know, it, it's a very clever film. I, 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 it's not that I didn't like it. I, I really enjoyed it. Right. But sometimes I just felt that he was just trying to be a little too clever. Yeah. I, I, I agree. My, my initial viewing of it I was just like exposition for mm-hmm. Lord. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're saying. You need to have closed captions on because there's a lot of mumbling happening mm-hmm. and a lot like I didn't understand a thing that was happening with the portrait. I've seen the movie twice. I still don't really understand <laughs> the whole portrait thing. But but I, I was picking up on just enough to get me through. Um, Robert Pattinson. Neil is probably my favorite character. Yeah. Not that John David Washington doesn't do a good job. He does. But here's my thing with Nolan. Nolan's leads are always are always flat for me. Yeah. Because they are always the the avatars for the viewers and so i'm just like there there's there's no there's no build up and my biggest pet peeve is we never find out his name he nope. to the point where he even refers to himself as the protagonist yeah nobody, <laughs> they don't they 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 don't do that that it like to your point about nolan being too clever that isn't clever that's just stupid in my opinion <laughs> operative would never call himself i am the protagonist of this that is such a dumb line yeah Uh, 
It just felt, it felt pretentious or something. I don't know. It just, it did. Yeah. I don't know. It does, it's just like, what, why, why would you do that? There's other cool things to do. Tell us his name. Call him Denzel. Because I swear to God, the man has his father's voice. He does. To a haunting degree. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was just really, it's funny to watch the movie and close your eyes. And you're like, I didn't know Denzel was in this. <laughs> Um, I watching it a second time there because I I was I'd already seen it. Mm-hmm. I picked up so much more on a lot of the dialogue, a lot more of the exposition, a lot more things made sense. Um, I still have one teeny thing that bothers me, but I think I figured it out, and that is because how many Neils exist. During that final sequence. Yeah. Oh, see, I I lost track. Because I was like, I was trying to fall. I was like, now is that Neil? And then I was looking at another. Yeah, so I've got, that's one of those things that I, I definitely feel like feel a rewatch will help me decipher that. And, well, well so something. So did you figure out that the Opera House explosion takes place on the same day? as the ending sequence. I did figure that out. Yeah. And Neil is the is the person who saves the protagonist during the yep. opera sequence. Yeah. Yeah, I put yeah. The yep. only thing that I have kind of put together is that when they're preparing to leave, um, the protagonist is talking to the girl, I forget mm-hmm. her name. She's not called the antagonist. Cat. No. She, he's talking, saying goodbye to Cat, and Cat asks him, "Where is Neil?" Mm-hmm. And he says, "I think he already went in. I think he went in, but he went to the opera." Mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. I Took think you're right. Took care of that, and then came back to do the mission. Because then, even after the mission, he has to go back in because he's the only one who can open the door. Mm-hmm. How how is that Neil not the protagonist? Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> well, remember at the very yeah, but you know, that the the beginning test for the protagonist was to see what he would do. Yeah. So so I think you know, obviously Neil and another you know was, you know the other thing about Neil. So there are some theories that Neil's actually Cat's son. No, no, okay. no. It, yeah. It's been disproved. Okay, okay. I, I've heard that theory. I've never subscribed to it. I because what I love about the ending scene between the protagonist and Neil mm. is not only the reference to Casablanca, yeah, but the just the revelations and and I I always like when movies kind of leave you like, oh my God, there's so much more to explore because the, the idea that these two have been friends for years mm-hmm. and got up to some stuff, I really want to know what they got up to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just, I don't, I just, that the whole idea that he's Max, I get it, mm-hmm. but I just I I don't subscribe to it. I think that's way too much time for them to really get up to some stuff. Like that's a pretty big age difference. Yeah, there that is that is and yeah, you know, like I said, I just saw that theory out there. Uh, as I said, I'm still trying to process the film, and I, I really have to do a second watch just to plug in many of the many of the, of the um, things that were going on. I mean, one thing I did. Did do agree with though is that the uh, scientist that the protagonist talked to at the very very beginning mm-hmm. uh, in the lab? I do think she was the person who came up with the inverse theory. <laughs> yeah. No, I I've heard that one. I agree with you on that one. I th- this movie is bizarre to me because, mm-hmm. like like you were saying, well, I watching it the first time i was like this is so boring 
yeah, there's amazing fight sequences, but it really took me to the end. Mm-hmm. I really like the ending of this movie. Yeah, yeah. And then rewatching it a second time, falling back in love with our pats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> good hair in this movie. Um, <laughs> I was just gonna pick it. I was like, this is our, this is our Batman. <laughs> um. I, I, this movie keeps growing on me. I, I want to honestly watch it for a third time. Um, the thing that no matter how many times I rewatch this, that will remain just a big negative is Nolan needs to spend more time with his characters. Mm-hmm. He has turned into a very cold director where it is all about the experience. It is all about the big concepts. Yeah. It's all about the plot. Yep. And that leaves so much to be desired because we were supposed to want Cat and the protagonists to get together. And I mm-hmm. never felt that way. I felt like it was very bizarre how protective he was of her. Yeah. Um, but there was just no time. Every time they talked, it was all exposition. It was all set up for the next sequence. It was all reestablishing the, the board. And, and, um, this has been increasing since inception where the stories have gotten, the, the character beats have decreased and the plot points have increased. And, and I think, Moving forward, Nolan really needs to go back and and balance everything out because um, it 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 during the initial watch through it is quite boring. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and I because I was like, oh yeah, whatever. Earlier in the year, whenever we saw the trailers for this film, I was like, oh, this looks so good! I can't wait to see this. And then once I finally got the opportunity to sit down and watch it, and I was like. Yeah, it, it I like as I said, it was it was a hard slog to get through those first two acts. Mm-hmm. And and I was just like, okay, and I did. I, I did stop it because I just needed to to, to get sort of <laughs> get some energy to 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 to, to watch the, the the rest of it. And you're right, the the, the the finale, the third and fourth acts are like you know, definitely like yeah. really, really strong. But yeah, you know, so so Word to the wise, if you know, I love to hear other people's thoughts on it. If you if you've seen the film, if you've had a similar similar view, uh, but um, are listening to this, even though you're getting a little bit spoiled uh, by our discussion, um, you know, just stick with it. Stick with it. Yeah, it's definitely a movie to once you commit, just finish it. Yeah, yeah, and then step away and take some Tylenol. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> when I watched it with my parents, I was like, okay, we're going to red string this guys. We're going to red string this. <laughs> yeah. But that's a very good point. One last thing that I'll say about it. It's a very good point that you, that you raised to, uh, to watch it with the captions on because there is a lot of exposition and, uh, and I think it would help. With, with certain scenes to you know to be able to to see what uh, to to read what they're talking about. <laughs> there there are some scenes where um, the dialogue is backwards, mm-hmm. and the actors had to actually say everything backwards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, speaking of actors, Kenneth Branagh, damn, uh, that's you know I know you were saying that the characters are a lot were were cold. Right. But but Brana's character I mean that dude was just whew, uh he he uh, he definitely as far as emotion uh, I, I I hate it uh, he was definitely despicable and he could really believe that he was you know plotting into the world. See and and I don't know if it was his acting or if it was the how the plot unraveled and it was all about him and his, if he can't live, then nobody can attitude about life where I'm yeah. just, this is lame. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work for me. It, it really, it really I, didn't. All his stuff with cat. I was like, I'm not here for it. Yeah. That, well, and I think that that's where it did work for me. Just the, the viciousness 
uh, the abuse and stuff. Uh, that's uh, yeah. Th- it was very it was very hard to watch that. Yeah, there there were some scenes. I mean, I think the one we both think about is is the 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 belt. I yeah. always felt that there's such so much tension yeah. and um, little payoff there. But but man, yeah, I no he he's definitely sinister. Um, I think as the movie went on, he became much more two dimensional because all of a sudden it was about saving the world. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, which I mean goes back to what we just discussed with Mandalorian is like sometimes it's better to focus on smaller stories yeah. as opposed to larger ones to make it more grounded. Yeah. But sure. no, definitely worth a streaming watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, speaking about streaming. We do have um, an announcement to make. Merry Christmas, everybody. We are, this is actually the first of two recordings this week. We will be recording a commentary, a scene and nerd commentary, to the first Wonder Woman film in preparation for a our Wonder Woman 2 commentary, which will kick off 2021. So within the next two weeks, you'll be seeing those wondrous gifts drop on our feed. We hope everyone enjoys it. Uh, and I hope we, and again, Merry Christmas, everyone. And we uh, appreciate you staying with us throughout the you know, 2020. And this is our Christmas gift to you, the, the Wonder Woman commentary. <laughs> if you don't celebrate Christmas, it's our Hanukkah gift. It's our Kwanzaa gift, uh, Festivus, you know. <laughs> will yeah. Oh, listeners, where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk, W I L L M P O L K. And you can find me at S J Belmont, S J B E L M O N T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>